In talking about the future and the prospects for a good future, this podcast digs into the nature of business, finance, and the structures of money that all have so much influence on how we make decisions as individuals, but also how big corporates and governments plan for the future. And at the heart of it all, there's clunky legal structures that set the rules for what companies can and can't do. My guest today is Anna Crabb. She's General Manager of B-Lab Australia, and she's part of a team leading the charge to bring the concept of benefit companies to Australia. A benefit company is a new type of legal structure that offers Australian companies more options to permanently embed a mission and a purpose into their corporate structure. And that's what we're all about here on the Good Future Podcast. I'm your host, John Treadgold, and I'm asking the big questions about the future of sustainable business, the new economy, and how your spending and investment decisions, no matter how big or small, can have an impact. Anna has worked in the social sector for most of her life. Early on, she worked as a public servant with the noble goal of doing the work of government. But pretty quickly, she saw that it was consultants who were actually doing all the exciting work. So she made the shift. She worked at SVA and a number of other consulting firms. And as she began to appreciate the power of businesses to make a genuine change in Australia, she soon discovered the B Corp movement. In our conversation today, Anna explains what it takes for a company to be certified as a B Corp and about the booming demand for companies wanting to get the B Corp stamp of approval. She also gives us an update on progress the team is having in advocating for change in the Corporations Act to get the benefit company classification put into law here in Australia. And she also makes a plug for B Corp Month, which is coming up in July, where all the B Corp companies will fly the flag proudly and spread their unique stories of sustainability and working with purpose. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did and was really generous with her insights. Please do send through any feedback. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Plus, you can get the conversation started on Twitter. And all of those links are on the website at johntreadgold.com slash goodfuturepodcast. All right, enough out of me. Here's my conversation with Anna Crabb. Here we go. Anna Crabb, great to have you on the Good Future podcast. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Now, you're general manager of B-Lab, which administers the B Corp certification, and, and that's really well aligned with, with what we're all about here, finding companies that operate with purpose and, and have mission at their foundation. Everywhere I look, I see B Corps. Do you have more accredited companies on board than ever? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's definitely booming, the B Corp movement. It's not just in Australia and New Zealand, but around the world, there's a massive uptick in interest in businesses that really want to become B Corps. And I think that's really driven by the fact that there are really huge challenges that we're facing globally around climate and movement of people, huge changes happening and business leaders are trying to find a way that they can contribute, that they can use what they do every day, their decisions, uh, their power to contribute to some of those challenges. Yeah, maybe you can give us a rundown of what it takes to become a B Corp. I guess the first thing when businesses are considering becoming a B Corp 
is really getting the team across why they're doing it and why they want to commit to building impact into their business. Before you get into the technical steps and whatnot, it's really important that you have those conversations and get aligned on why you want to make an impact beyond creating a profit and the things that businesses usually do. In terms of the technical side, it's simply hopping onto the Be Impact Assessment, which is www.beimpactassessment.net and uh, filling in the assessment. So have a go. There's questions that help you through understanding what policies and practices your businesses can adopt to have a greater impact. And it gives you a score. So you can understand where you're having impact and where there's opportunities to improve. If you get over that magical 80 score, your B impact score, that's when you can submit the assessment to be verified by the B-Lab team to just check that your answers are, are spot on and correct. And then if you are over the magical 80 point uh, line, you can be certified as a B Corporation and join the wonderful community of B Corps. So why do most companies want to do that? It sounds a little bit onerous, but is it sort of just to have that tag, you know, tell customers, investors or all of the above, I guess? Yeah, sustainability is really the hot thing of the moment for business and shared value. And there's lots of different brands around businesses for good. What makes uh, becoming a certified B Corporation different is that the businesses commit to go through an objective and rigorous process to actually double check and verify that they are actually having the impacts that they say that they're having. So it's really a trust mark that businesses can use to share with their clients, their customers, their workers, their investors to show that they're genuinely actually making an impact. Okay, and you guys are sort of the accreditors and, and I guess, uh, you know, that carries that sort of a trust mark. Are there any sort of well-known companies that people might know that, that you could sort of let us know, some good examples? Yeah, we had some really fantastic early adopters of B Corp certification in Australia and New Zealand. So businesses that are really driven by impact, like Keep Cup. Patagonia is a well-known one operating out of the States, but selling here. And recently we had a huge uh, B Corp come on board, uh, which was Intrepid Group, which is known for its adventure travel. The bulk of the companies that make up the B Corp community are actually in professional services. So companies like Blue Rock, Franken Business Lawyers um, are coming on board as B Corps as well. So there's a real mix of consumer facing brands and B2B companies as well. And you said that, you know, the numbers are growing and growing all the time. Are there any sort of downsides to that rapid growth or are you, you know, going full on for, for world domination? <laughs> oh, definitely world domination. Uh, I wouldn't say domination, bringing the world with us is definitely what we'd like to be doing. What is emerging, which is really interesting, is that the B Corp community really started with those impact business model businesses where it's really obvious why they're a B Corp because their intention is to create an impact. So businesses like Australian Ethical, which are set up for ethical investment, those early adopters of the B Corp certification, it was really core to what they're doing. What we're seeing now and where we're getting a lot of interest from is more traditional businesses and businesses that actually want to change their operating model to be more like a B Corp. And those businesses tend to be a bit larger and more established than the ones that we started with. So there's a really interesting extension of who thinks of themselves as a B Corp. Does it get more and more difficult then for those companies to sort of hit the hurdle? I guess maybe they just have to make more changes and, and perhaps that's the point of this process, you know, at its core. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So our theory of change is around getting those early adopter leaders to really show what's possible, that it's possible to have profit and purpose, to have impact. And then now, exactly as we hoped, those bigger, much bigger companies are being spurred to really consider what they need to do. And you're right, it can take some time. Businesses don't just get into the B Corp community. They do need to often make some, some changes and they do take some time to do that but it does pay off. So that's why the businesses that are bigger are committing to it and are coming through. And we'll see that over the next few years. The challenge for the B-Lab side is to really scale up and, and meet that demand. Okay, and just to break down some of the terminology, people who aren't across it might be getting a little bit confused, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the B-Lab is sort of the, the company that you work for, you guys sort of administer it and, and you're running it. And then the B-Corps are the companies that are being accredited. Is that right? And then we've got Benefit Corporation as well, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for clarifying. There's lots of Bs in the B community. So B-Lab is a global not-for-profit. So we operate all around the world. Uh, we have 26 global partners around the world. And we are the ones that encourage businesses to think about becoming B Corps and not just becoming B Corps because it's not always the right destination for businesses. We're really set up with the intention of creating an economy that works for everyone, including for the environment. And so what we do is educate and make people aware, make businesses aware of why it's important that they think about building impact into their business. And then we assist them to become certified. And then um, B Corps are businesses that choose to complete the B Impact Assessment and to become certified B Corporations. Very good. And then Benefit Corps is, is a new structure, I believe. You know, I'm sure many of my listeners have a good understanding of what it means to be incorporated as a company, whether that be public or private. So there are financial and, and tax implications of that. So then for a company to become a Benefit Corp, sort of what's the shift there? This is a really important change that we're advocating for in Australia and New Zealand. So the Benefit Corporation is the American name for it. In Australia, we talk about the benefit company because most people are familiar with the company structure. What the benefit company is, is an opt-in status that a company can choose to adopt, which really commits them to building their purpose into their constitution. It will require their directors to consider that purpose in their decision making and for the business to transparently report on that. And why that is important is it gets really clear alignment between the intentions of the leaders of the business and the operations all the way through. It makes it really clear exactly why the business exists and it means that the businesses are holding themselves to account. In the ups and downs of running a business, sometimes impact creeps down the list of priorities. What Benefit Company will do is make sure that businesses commit to keep thinking about what their business decisions mean for workers, what they mean for community, what they mean for the environment all the way through. Okay, and so what's the shift then from a, a regular old company to being a benefit company? Yeah, so in terms of the legals, they'll still be registered as a company. This is just what the companies can opt into. And so to change their constitution, to make sure the directors are considering impact and then their annual reporting. So it's an extra step that businesses can take to be more accountable and more transparent for their impact. Is it sort of focus on longevity then? It kind of locks in the mission-driven nature. I mean, people come and go, you might have some key advocates, 
but then as the company develops and, and people shift and change, maybe there's a, a financial downturn. Does it really lock it in? Spot on. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is why we really need it, this idea of mission lock. So it's around the ideas of stakeholder accountability. And so not just looking after your shareholders and your owners of your business, but putting your other stakeholders on par and also making sure that you can lock in your mission or lock in your purpose, particularly when you're looking at investors coming on board or you're doing a capital raise. They're the times where there can be a bit of compromise. What the benefit company will do is help businesses to lock in that purpose. So the businesses we're hearing from that really want this change to be introduced tend to either be startups, which have started up with a core rationale to solve an environmental or social issue and know they need to take on capital to grow, but they don't want to compromise why they were set up. So that group is really keen for this change. And then also people that have set up purpose-driven businesses that want to leave a legacy. They might be passing it on to next generation or passing it on to another owner. And they want to make sure that that company continues to operate with purpose in mind. Can uh, existing companies make the shift? Yeah, definitely. So it's not in law at the moment. This is a concept that we're hoping to see introduced at the moment and we're working really hard to have this introduced. We're really committed to seeing it introduced and it will be open to new companies that are just getting going as well as existing companies. So both will have the option. B Corps as part of becoming certified, they commit to opting into this new status when it is introduced. So we have ready-made community of 250 B Corps ready to go and adopt this when it is introduced. And so it would also be an option for public listed companies that have lots of disparate shareholders? Yeah, spot on. So we have a mix in the business community generally and the B Corp community also of privately held and public companies. And this status would equally apply to those different types of companies. All right. And so it's, uh, it's all in train. You're lobbying for it. What are some of the impediments you're sort of seeing in Australia? It's really just about building awareness of it as an idea. There's a lot of sentiment in the director community about the need to take the long-term view. You know, the Banking and Financial Services Royal Commission, that threw up a whole lot of issues around businesses prioritising their owners over their customers over their other community members, the time is kind of ripe now because people appreciate why it's really important to take into account stakeholders other than shareholders uh, in decision making. We're really building on that momentum for change at the moment. The impediment is we don't know about it. So it's great to be able to be sharing this idea and getting the word out about what this change is and, and what's possible. Okay, good stuff. And then how has your job changed? I mean, uh, you know, has, have you had to make a shift from, from getting companies on board as B Corps to now lobbying, lobbying for change in the Corporations Act? It is a bit of a dual purpose. How B Lab started in Australia was really focused on certification. That's where we started. And we've been really successful in doing that. We've got the second highest per capita rate of B Corps in the world in Australia. So it's really been fantastic to have that focus. What we're seeing now and what's changing for us is the need to work with businesses 
all the way along the journey. Businesses used to come to us and if they got the magic ATB impact score number, we could work with them. Otherwise, we'd have to say, go and try and improve and come back to us. Now we're really focused on working with businesses all along the way to making impact improvements. And then once they come into the B Corp community, to help them to continuously improve. And then the other thing, of course, is the advocacy around the introduction of the benefit company status. So definitely the scope of what B-Lab does is evolving and changing. And as the name suggests with B-Lab, we try out different things and see what works, see what's going to add to the community. And, and how did you end up here, Anna? You know, you're at the front lines of this drive to change corporate Australia. Have you, have you always had an itch to, to work with sustainable change makers? I guess when I was thinking about what I wanted to do when, when I grew up, I really wanted to make a difference. And the thing that I knew made a difference or I thought was government. So I started my career in government and tried to create change from that angle and saw what was possible and what the limitations were. And I actually saw that a lot of the most interesting policy work was being outsourced to consultants. So I moved into consultancy and consulted back to government to try and get some of these big ideas moving. Then I saw, I found out about this wonderful thing called social impact consulting and was able to join the Social Ventures Australia team and really get to work with community leaders that were making genuine change in their community. And what I'm seeing now and why I'm so excited about working with B-Lab is I really feel in Australia that some business leaders are really creating commitments and change. So they are the ones driving real changes around sustainability improvements, around energy efficiency improvements, around social change improvements. Think about the marriage equality campaign, how important corporate Australia was in creating that change. I certainly don't know they're not perfect, but I think that's where a lot of change in our society is happening at the moment. So I'm really thrilled to be working with B-Lab team and business leaders who want to create change. Yeah, interesting about that, that shift from the public service to consulting. Uh, do you think that's sort of a, a similar trend we're seeing, I guess, in philanthropy charities, that there's this shift that the private sector is taking on a bit more of that? You've got private sector consultants that are now impact experts helping the philanthropists to build partnerships. How do you see that trend? I suppose on the one hand, it could be characterised as professionalisation. On the other hand, it might be seen as additional overhead in how the system works, really. And I'm definitely not saying it's the best thing in terms of consultants being the ones that are really driving change for our country. I think it's really important that we have a strong and able public service. And likewise, I think there's so much expertise within not-for-profits themselves. I think where consultants can really make a difference is being supplementing not-for-profit teams and helping them to be able to make connections with other sectors. That's where I think the value add comes in. That's right. I mean, I think the consultants have a very specialised skill set and they can apply that when needed, obviously budget permitting. But just to sort of help people out there that might be sitting in a job, they don't want to take you know, a big shift and, and go all the way to jumping into consulting and making a full career move. Is there sort of a first step that, that maybe you've seen or, or you might suggest to friends that say, oh, I want to I work with more purpose? You know, they might have a great job in a corporate or something that isn't quite aligned with their values. How would you sort of help people think that through? I think there's a huge role for entrepreneurship, just to throw another jargon word at you. 
I'm lucky now that the leaders that I work with tend to be those really passionate people in big organisations. And they're the ones that I really admire most. They're the ones that put the idea of B Corp certification onto the agenda for businesses and drive change from the inside. And it's hard. Like I was in this fantastic meeting earlier this week with Blue Rock who host us. They have this 25 people strong committee that looks at what changes the business can make. And they came up with this extraordinary proposal to the board that will really have huge environmental impacts from a professional services firm. So these are people like accountants and lawyers and IT people. And so you might think, oh, there's not much purpose in in what they're doing day to day, but the B Corp certification and their involvement with that helps them to actually make a really big change in their day-to-day decisions at work. Yeah, and, and I guess it's that decision-making of, of whether or not to take the step and, you know, if you're a company director, you're going to be making, you know, lots of trade-off decisions and, and trying to work that through. I wonder, do you have any examples of company directors in Australia who wanted to make a mission-driven decision for their company but they might have been restrained by their existing sort of corporate responsibilities to their shareholders? Yeah, I think Phil Vernon, who's the Managing Director of Australian Ethical, talks about this really eloquently and is a lead advocate for the introduction of the benefit company status in Australia. The thing that they find is they've had to create a separate charter which outlines their investment principles. And while they do make decisions that align with those principles, there's just a bit of lack of clarity around whether they're able to do that, how the legislation is at the moment. So the issue being, there's just really that uncertainty there around when it is and isn't okay. But more than that, it's just the predominant culture in Australian business today. It's the default view. So even if legally it's allowed, the default thinking is that shareholders and owners are at the top of the pyramid and everyone else sits below them. So the benefit company is about just readjusting that balance to put people and the environment on par with considerations about shareholders and owners. Mm. I mean, it must be such a challenge for publicly listed companies that have shareholders and they have to be very careful with um, you know, keeping their best interests at heart, but the Benefit Corp is trying to then also integrate, I guess, the non-financial stakeholders. And there's been a lot of commentary recently about how in the long term, it was, I think the chair of Virgin Australia came out last week and was talking about how in the long term, there will be the intersection point of financial and non-financial stakeholders. So if you make a good decision that improves the lives of your workers or improves their day-to-day experience at work, if you make an improvement to the local community you're operating in, in the long term, it's going to have financial payoff for you. It's, the benefit company is really about recognising that and bringing that clarity around that decision-making to really encourage uh, businesses to do that. Mm. And then I'd love to get your view on, on how impact investors have sort of engaged with that because these companies seem a perfect opportunity for this type of investor that wants returns on the one hand, but also a social impact return. Um, and that, you know, the, the B Corp certification could be a good filter for them. How have they engaged with it? Mm, great question. And we do have a couple of impact investing groups and quite a number of financial advisory firms who are B Corps themselves. So that's one indication that they believe in the validity and importance of the B Corp certification. 
the other thing is about building B Corp certification into investment decision-making criteria. So impact investing groups, Giant Leap Fund, they actually require their investees to have the B Corp certification. So that really shows that they think that B Corp certification is an important factor in the returns for the businesses that they're investing in and a good way to understand what that impact component of impact in investing is. And then in terms of pushing past B Corp accreditation, getting towards the benefit companies in Australia, you know, I think people might be hearing about it and thinking, oh, that's so interesting. Can you give us a bit of a status update? Like, where are we up to? Is it just at the, the early information advocacy stage? Like, you know, could it be in law in 12 months? Is it more like three or four years? We're really committed to seeing this through in in the coming year. We've just had a change of government. We've just had the Royal Commission, which has really highlighted that this option is needed for business. So we're working as hard as we can. We have a model bill drafted already. So we have the policy case made. We have the model bill. We're talking to influential people in government, in the business community. We've got prominent business people that are doing their thing to talk to their networks about why this change is needed. So expect some really big progress and much more public facing progress. We had an article in the Fin Review recently and so can expect some more of that coming up in the in the coming months. And then obviously in the US there's a number of states that have put it into law. Yeah, and thanks for bringing that up because that's the other thing. This isn't just Australia thinking about it. This is a change that's happening around the world. So the majority of states in the US already have this option for businesses. It just passed in British Columbia in Canada last week. It's gone through in Puerto Rico, in Colombia, in Italy. Um, New Zealand's considering it. The New Zealand government is actively considering it and supporting the development of this change. So Australia kind of has to get with it and um, get moving on it. I think the lessons we can draw from the overseas experience is that one, it's a bipartisan approach. In every jurisdiction, it's been introduced, there's been unanimous votes in the states, both Republicans and Democrats have introduced this change. So it makes sense for both sides of politics. The second thing is around what impact it has had on the investment community. At last count, there was multi-billion dollars that have been invested in companies that are benefit companies in the US. So companies like Allbirds, who are the sneaker company, who are um, a benefit company, they've done a huge capital raise. Laureate Education, the international education provider, they're a benefit company and they too have just had a really successful capital raise. So the second lesson is really investors respect this status, companies adopting it. They trust that they can put their money towards benefit companies. Well, yeah, look, you know, I did did lots of reading about the progress and and definitely a growing advocate myself. I think it's a a great shift. You know, it's an option, as you say, it's opt-in. So you're not sort of forcing anything down anyone's throat. People are signing up. And if anything, it gives everybody a lot more certainty, legal certainty. And if you're a public company, you know, that's a big issue. So... Keep at it. This is great stuff. We'll, we'll definitely be keen to, um, to stay up to date. One other thing I've heard mentioned lately is that there's something called B Corp Month on the horizon. What's that all about? B Corp Month is coming up in July and it's a celebration of why B Corps are B Corps. What cool things they're doing in their businesses, improving the lives of their workers or interacting with the community or making our environment better. 
And so B Corp Month is a big celebration of that and taking the idea out to the world. There's huge amounts happening. There's going to be events and T-shirts and videos and lots of stuff happening um, during the month. And one other thing, I always ask my guests for a book recommendation, maybe something that really turned the dial for you, you know, in your career and in how economics operates or maybe just a solid gold page turner. So the one that is sitting on my bedside table is Dark Emu by Bruce Pascoe. This has been out for a few years and I've heard Bruce speak on the topic, but the thing that is amazing is how the truth about Australia's history was manipulated from the early records and he just does a brilliant job of distilling exactly how we've come to understand the history uh, as we do today and why that's completely wrong. And the innovation and the ingenuity and the entrepreneurialism of First Nations people in Australia back then as now is really incredible. So I definitely highly recommend um, getting a copy of Dark Emu and understanding how we've got to where we are today. That's it. Yeah, it's really exciting, I think, and giving people a lot to sort of be faithful about, about our country, where it comes from, and the potential for this really long history that Indigenous people have of tens of thousands of years, understanding their climactic shift. And they say, well, we've got thousands of years of records, you know, let's use that to understand where the climate change is human induced and how much of a change it really is. So for me, it was a really optimistic book because uh, yeah, we've got so much potential here. Exactly. And this being National Reconciliation Week, it's a great opportunity to tap into First Nations knowledge and First Nations businesses. That's right. Yeah, that's a great action for people in Reconciliation Week is to yeah grab a copy of Dark Emu. Good stuff. All right, Anna, let's leave it there. But uh, please do keep us uh, up to date on the progress of benefit companies in Australia. Will do. Thank you, Anna.